the gunslinger always has a place in the lexicon in the lore of uh, both professional and college football. And what we want to do today is really dig into what that persona exemplifies and, and talk about one of the uh, quarterbacks in college football this year and whether or not he actually fits uh, that classic type of quarterback here. Chuck Zada and Mark Schofield here with you on the August 4th Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks podcast. This show is actually brought to you by Crossover Football, giving coaches the ability to break down game film to help pull stats, make searchable clips, tendency reports, and more. Best part is, you can use it both on your desktop as well as on mobile solutions such as your phone or tablet. To get one game broken down for free, sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon, and you get one free breakdown. They do all the work for you for free today. Mark, uh, talking about the gunslinger in American football, before we even get into uh, who the quarterback is that we're talking about today, talk to me about this, you know, this... I don't even, what is it a uh, what's the word that you would use? It's not not stereotype, but the uh, the 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 trope, the 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 type. I don't know what what you would use for it. Talk to archetype. me about yeah the, the archetype. There's the word. I, it was right at the there tip of go. my tongue. Talk to me about what this archetype means and and really the place that it holds in American football. Well, it's weird, and you know I kind of start this piece off with a bit of a nod to one of my professors from college, Richard Slotkin, who wrote this like three book trilogy talking about sort of the idea of the frontier in American history and American folklore, both in culture and in politics. And his last book, Gunfighter Nation, which I actually read in college when I took his class as a senior, which was a fascinating class that basically addressed this book. And what he addresses in that book, what he kind of talks about is, look, America has had a love affair with the idea of the gunfighter, a guy on the frontier by himself with a rifle on a horse staring down, you know, death or, you know, serious peril. And we – Slotkin kind of traces that mythology through not only American cultural history and from like the early 1900s all the way up until the Cold War. He does it through movies. He does it through film. He like talks about the advent of like John Wayne as like this like rugged frontiersman who people, you know, flocked to see his movies because you had this image of this like tall, gruffy guy that's kind of defending you know women and children and everybody else from the frontier. And Slocken then makes the argument that look that influenced American policy. I mean, JFK called space the new frontier. I mean, the frontier was always kind of what America was looking at, where a nation that always looks at the horizon, looks at the frontier. And I thought it was interesting watching this player that we're going to talk about. And the idea of the gunslinger, it's in football as well. We think about a quarterback that's in the pocket firing you know, throws or bullets, as you want to call them, to all levels of the field, taking risks, taking chances with the football. But having supreme confidence in himself, which is like you would expect with a gunslinger, a guy with a six-shooter at his side who thinks he can beat anybody in a duel. And so that's kind of like the genesis of the piece. Like Slotkin could have almost talked about the quarterback and the advent of the NFL and guys from Unitas then up through Bradshaw and then obviously Favre and this day Stafford and Cutler are kind of like your typical prototype gunslingers. Before we even get into this, the, the quarterback we're going to be discussing, I want to dig into this more just because it's a fascinating concept to look at as far as just, again, it's, its place in football today. And in particular, one, one sense that I get is that the gunslinger at a certain level 
is revered for the very traits that you mentioned uh, earlier. But at the same time, in the modern game, it almost seems as though those same traits are almost fought against by a lot of coaches because they represent taking too much risk. Do you feel that's that's present yeah, as well? I think that's a great point, and it's it's a it's definitely a double edged sword. I mean, a gunslinger is the type of guy that people love to watch, fans love to watch, because you're going to be on the edge of the seat. I mean, think about like guys like Daryl LaMonica, the Mad Bomber. They're just, you know, that's one of the traits that you kind of associate with a gunslinger. Is a guy that's going to push the ball vertically and just throw it all over the lot. And people love watching that, except for the head coach and the offensive <laughs> head coordinator. Head coach can't stand because, it because you know they're at their throat. Like, oh my goodness, we could be turning the ball over on a, a given play. But fans, we love watching these guys. I mean, gosh, Josh John Madden watching a Brett Favre game. I mean, talk about a guy that was just like loving to watch a player play. Oh. I mean, John Madden doing a Brett Favre game was just like, you st- you dropped what you were doing and you tuned in because Madden loved it. I mean, Madden was a guy that coached a gunslinger himself. I mean, Kenny Stabler, I think, kind of fit that mold. So, y- yeah, it's definitely a double-edged sword. I mean, and a lot of offenses today and a lot of coaches predicate their game plans on taking care of the football. And so, you know, the gunslinger in today's era, it- it's kind of a, I don't want to say it's a dying breed, but you know, when you study players for the draft and when you look at tape on different NFL players and wonder how they're going to progress, you see a guy that's taking chances with the football and you start to wonder, does he really have a future in this league if he keeps taking these risks? Well, let's let's dig into your piece here now because you talk about Ole Miss quarterback Chad Kelly yeah. uh, and how he has received this label of gunslinger. Why has he actually gotten that that title? That you know, why why does he fit the bill? as that gunslinger why do people think he fits the bill well i think two reasons kind of fit it and you know it's interesting mentioning brett Favre was kind of like a prototypical gunslinger that you know people associate with that term you know business lunch the other day with our good boy uh luke paul glaze is doing a great series on his experience currently coaching a semi-pro team and we were talking about kelly and the first words out of luke's mouth were, he's brett Favre." I mean, because Kelly, when you watch him, likes to th- take risks with the football, likes to challenge some tighter throwing windows than other quarterbacks might challenge, likes to push the ball down the field. That helped last year when he had a guy like Laquan Treadwell, who he could take risks to. Like Treadwell won a lot of contested throws for him. But Kelly's also the kind of guy that if he's got people draped at his ankles, if he's you know flushed out of the pocket, he might you know flip the ball behind his back or flip the ball kind of like he's just tossing it like it's an option down the field just because he sees somebody that's open and rather than you know take a two-yard gain he's going to see if he can turn that potential two-yard gain into like a 15-yard gain just by taking a risk with the football i mean he's the type of guy that it wouldn't surprise me to see it's probably happened or it might happen him like rolling out of the pocket and if he has to throw a ball left-handed just to get it out to a receiver now, this fearlessness, does he have other traits alongside that that really complement it and allow him to use it in a way that's a positive, or is he still raw enough that it is working against him more often than you'd like to see? Well, one of the things that kind of goes both ways with the gunslinger is when you have this confidence in your ability to challenge throwing windows, it works both ways. It's a double-edged sword. On his tape, 
He's one of these guys like, you know, Jared Goff last year that when you get that sort of vertical route along the sideline against cover two, he likes to challenge that honey hole. That's a glossary term that we've got on the website, believe it or not, but it's that soft area of cover two sort of behind the cornerback and along the sidelines away from the safety. So it's a little soft area. You can challenge it with a vertical route up the sideline, but you've got to throw that in there on a line because if it hangs in the air, even the slightest, that safety will have enough time to rotate over. And then going through Kelly's 2015 tape, there were times when he was able to make that throw, and there were times when, for whatever reason, whether it was pressure or he just didn't judge it right, he didn't get enough on it, and the safety was able to cut in front of it. He threw an interception, I think it was against Arkansas, in a big spot in a tie game in the fourth quarter on one of those type plays. So it goes both ways. But when looking at Kelly's tape and kind of the body of his work, there were some aspects to his game that I thought he didn't really get enough credit for and things he wouldn't particularly associate with a gunslinger. What are some of those things that uh, stand out to you? I know, and, and I'm going to kind of go down the list of the uh, the different items that you mentioned here. Let's start first. Actually, I'm going to start at the bottom because this is one that we really don't uh, see in, in you know the gunslinger mentality a lot, and that's anticipation. Talk to me about what you saw here. Yeah, and I highlighted sort of two throws. And, you know, sometimes with anticipation and gunslingers, it's, you know, not necessarily that they have to see the route to throw it. It's just that, you know, they're of the type that they trust themselves so much that, you know, if they see a guy break open, they might wait just one more second because they know that their arm's good enough. They'll just wait sure that it's completely open. So they might not make anticipation throws as much as other quarterbacks do. Or quarterbacks like, for example – Cody Kessler in this last draft class doesn't have the kind of arm talent and arm strength to force the football into tighter windows. So he needs to make anticipation throws. He needs to get the ball out well before the break to give his receivers a chance, you know, to catch the ball and get upfield with yards for yardage after the catch. Kelly, I highlighted two plays in the article. The first was just sort of a backside slant route. It's one of the features of Mississippi's sort of offense where they have RPO stuff where they'll have trips to one side of the field. They'll run a stick concept. They've got a run and play called as part of this package, and they'll have a backside slant route that the quarterback, in this case Kelly, can throw whenever he wants to. And it's sort of like a three-step, no hitch, get get it, step, and throw. And he makes this great anticipation throw on one of those slant routes where the ball is coming out before – the receiver is even close to making his break. I think it's Treadwell. He's got like two more steps before he makes his cut, and Kelly's already releasing the football. That cornerback out there who's on an island to begin with has no prayer of making a play on this football. And, and, and again, you're talking about, you know, with both the route and the throw, it's not what you would typically think of from a gunslinger, correct? I mean, not typically. I mean, like I said, gunslingers, you might – see some anticipation throws, but not to this extent. I mean, this is really well done, well-timed. It's You would look for this. I mean, this is kind of, you know, Sunday-type stuff, a Sunday-type anticipation throw yep. in a pro-style pro system that you're seeing right there. It's not sort of, you know, grip it and rip it kind of stuff. Folks, want to talk to you briefly about crossover football. Uh, crossover football can help coaches win more games and make smarter use of the film room with your team. Crossover breaks down and stats out your game film. It gives you searchable clips, advanced ODK, tendency reports, and a wealth of other great information that you can access from any PC 
or mobile device. Your formations, your personnel packages, they can all be custom labeled with your own terminology and you can create highlight reels, exchange video with anyone on your platform, and even put together stats and tendency reports. All of your players and coaches can use it and to try a one game uh, free trial, all you have to do is sign up for a demo at crossover.com slash pylon. That's crossover with a K dot com slash pylon and you get one free breakdown uh if you sign up today it doesn't cost you anything and they will break down that game for you so that you don't even have to do any of the work there mark let's talk about the uh the next trait that you mentioned here going up the list actually talking about manipulation and being able to uh move defenders uh with the uh the quarterback's ability to move defenders with his eyes talk to me about what you saw here yeah, and, and this is another key one for, I think, any quarterback that's going to try to progress to the next level, um, whether you're a high school quarterback trying to get better, whether you're a college quarterback trying to get better or make it to the pros, and whether, you know, if you're a pro quarterback trying to take your game to the next level, you've got to be able to move defenders with your eyes. And, you know, sort of central to that is when you've got a defender in his zone, for example, trying to get him to go against what he's taught to do and to get him to react to some sort of external stimuli to move him out of position to hit a receiver. It's it's a very important trait for quarterbacks to have. I mean, we saw guys like Brady that, you know, can look one way, get a defender out of position throw backside you know there's a piece up on inside the pylon that i did back from the their ge- playoff game against the chiefs where against a cover one scheme he had that underneath hole linebacker he brady looked to his left got that guy out of position and threw the slant to edelman coming from the other side of the field right to where that linebacker was that's kind of what i'm talking about and and, and, and go with, ahead. with that it's not even so much that the that that linebacker or that safety is 10 yards out of position you're talking tight windows at that pro level so the the ability to move a defender even a foot in a different direction can be the difference between a completion and an interception yeah and you know not to like relate too much back to prior work but i did a piece on vlad lee the quarterback from jmu yes sir and his ability to manipulate defenders and i showed a play where they threw a swing screen out to the left side but lee takes a snap looks to his right and freezes a linebacker just for a step. And they're in a man coverage scheme. So this linebacker's got some underneath responsibilities. It's sort of the same thing, cover one. So he's kind of roaming an underneath hole defender. Lee looks to his right, freezes that linebacker for a step, then throws the swing screen. That linebacker still makes the tackle, but he makes it 10 yards downfield, and they get a first down. Because that little bit is enough to like get him to get a bad angle. Even if it's just one step, one beat, it's enough to get a guy either to take a bad angle or just enough out of position to make a play. With uh, When you talk about manipulating defenders with your eyes, is this something that you practice until it becomes intuitive, or is it something that some, some quarterbacks just have and some quarterbacks just can't pick up? It's typically... It- comes and develops out of the route structures themselves and the read patterns themselves on the kelly play that's in the piece they're going four verticals out of a three by one so they've got a single receiver to his left and then three receivers to his right and since you're running four verticals out of a three by one that inside receiver that tight end he's going to bend his vertical route across the formation so you, you eventually have two receivers on each side of the football going vertically down the field 
So the way the read structure on these plays typically works is you peak that backside single receiver on his vertical route first. Because if you can get a cheap, easy play, sometimes when you're in a three-by-one, secondary over-rotate pre-snap to the trip side of the field, you might get an easy, quick play down the field with that single receiver. And then you work across the formation. So you'll go single receiver, then that guy that's bending across the formation, and so on. And so on the play in question, Kelly first looks to that single receiver. It's not there, but he hangs on it for just another second. Then his eyes come to the middle of the field and that guy coming across formation. And he lets his eyes sit there for a second. And that's when both safeties kind of converge on that guy because they're thinking, okay, he's coming across the formation. He's kind of open because it's a cover four look. The middle of the field is open. Both safeties bite on it. And that leaves the middle trips receiver wide open on his seam route for a touchdown. And so it kind of gets baked into the cake almost when you're working through your reads, but you're still sort of manipulating defenders because if you don't pull the trigger, the defenders might think you still might throw the football there. Let's go over now to uh, the last trait that you have here. And this is actually one that, as you mentioned in the piece, does match up with the classic gunslinger mentality. And that is improvisation. What do you see from Kelly on this side? Well, like any sort of gunslinger, like Brett Favre or other guys that kind of fit this archetype, I mean, Kelly's a guy that plays in a system that allows him to do this on the regular. I mean, they have a lot of plays called where it's run-pass option. He'll keep the football if he wants. He can press the line of scrimmage, and even at the last second, he can still throw the ball down the field. They've got that built into their design. Think about the play that they basically used to beat Alabama in the regular season. There was a question whether Kelly was even over the line of scrimmage when he made the throw because it's a run-pass option play. He reads inside zone. He keeps the football. He presses the edge. He's probably going to keep it, but they still have an outlet for him on the outside to throw the football, and he threw it at the last minute just as he was crossing the line of scrimmage, and it goes a distance for a touchdown. So Kelly's got the ability physically to make these decisions. He's got the the quick sort of – um, the quick decision-making process so that he can make a decision in a split second and get the football out if he sees something that's open. And he's got the willingness to make these risks, to take these chances. I mean, some quarterbacks on that Alabama play that I'm talking about would be content taking the eight yards and not risking you know, a penalty or a turnover, but not Kelly. He sees a guy open, sees a chance to make a big play, and he's going to pull the trigger. Got about a minute or two left here. Kelly's a guy who I, I know you, you came back to uh, you know our internal uh, Slack channel, and, and I remember you talking about him right after you watched him. And talk to me a little bit about what your thoughts were going into watching film on Kelly and what you came away with and what you're going to be looking for this season now. Well, it's interesting. I had had limited exposure to Kelly last year because obviously he's a junior that there were not really any inklings that he was going to come up for the draft so i didn't spend a lot of time sort of evaluating him given the other guys that you know we had to set time aside for to study i only had limited exposure to him when watching games casually such as the alabama game um and i'd only written about him minimally i wrote about that alabama play for example so i kind of went in with sort of a base level of understanding that he was a good college quarterback but probably wasn't ready or didn't have the traits that you would look for in a pro quarterback or at least that you would look for in a guy that you would expect to make the leap and be able to transition to the NFL. Having watched him, having studied some of his tape, having broken down some of the games, I'm a little bit more confident that he has that ability because I expected raw gunslinger just taking risks and wasn't 
quite sure what to do with the football and was just kind of out there slinging it. I came away more impressed than I thought I was going to be. And one of the traits that we haven't talked about was his patience in sort of letting underneath zone defenders clear his patience to just take what the defense gives him at times and his accuracy and ball placement while at times are spotty. There was one throw that he made to an inside seam round against cover two where he put the football in a spot where the receiver was going to catch it and get down before that cover two safety could rotate over and lay a hit on him. And he makes it on a first and 20. So they end up with an 18 yard gain. You might think that a gunslinger might try to get it all back on first down when he's got a receiver open on a seam row. But Kelly was content there just putting the ball in a place where his guy could pick up good yardage and lift fight on second down. So instead of, you know, forcing the throw and having it be second and 20, it's now a much more manageable second and two. So things like that kind of stuck out. So I'm very intrigued now. I'm interested to see if accuracy gets better across the board, if some of the ball placement issues get better across the board. That might make him a more intriguing target for NFL scouts come next spring. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, Mark. I don't know about you, but this is one of my favorite podcasts that we have ever recorded. I feel that the... Wow. Uh, no joke. What what we talked about here? It's just I I feel I feel good, man. I feel good. Wow, I'm glad this, I could it, deliver, man. I, just, I appreciate that. Awesome stuff. So in any case, uh, this is up on uh, an article on InsideThePylon.com. It's titled "Chad Kelly and the Myth of the Gunslinger." If you haven't read it, go take a look at it. Share it with everyone because it it's awesome. I mean, there's no other way to put it. So we are done for the day, but. The good news, we are back tomorrow. It's going to be Friday. You're going to be uh, probably uh, getting ready for beer o'clock if you're anything like Mark and I. And I can tell you this, we're going to be chatting a little bit more Ole Miss as we continue to dig into their offense and see what they're all about. That is tomorrow on the Inside the Pylon Quick Kicks Podcast. (laughs) 